0: I can't go long. Hi, folks. I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 28th of May, 2010. I always suggest the newcomers look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. You'll find hundreds of audios for download and talks I've given over the years. And remember, all these sites you'll see listed on the front page, bookmark them. They all have the same audios. They all have a lot of English transcripts of the talks I've given for type for a print-up. And if you go into alanwatt sentinel.eu, you'll also find a lot of transcripts in other languages, too. So uh, these are all my backups because I have problems every week with uh, at least one or two of the sites. The alternate, it seems and bookmark them for future use. That way you can always get the latest shows. Now remember, too, to go into the things I have for sale, the few things I have for sale there. I don't have time to put a lot of stuff out. I'm doing the shows and other things, too. I've got to live here. And that will help me pay the costs on this end here, I hope. Sometimes it I doesn't quite do it. But um, there's thousands and thousands listen. I know that for a fact all over the world. It's the same people who help me out every so often by contributions. And remember, too, nothing is too small. Most of them are small. And it's amazing to me, too, to watch the world go down as people start to get laid off and they can't help out anymore um, or the contributions slow right down because of the cost of living or they've lost their houses. Lots of them have lost homes and so on. But that's also how you, keep, how you can keep tabs on what's happening across the world. People, you know, start going down, too, all over the place. So, purchase things after sale. Now, most of the customers come from the U.S. You can order through personal check to Canada. That's fine. You can also use an international postal money order to to order from your post office. And you can use PayPal for donations and to order. If you want to order, send me a separate email, name, address, and order, along with the PayPal donation. And I'll get it out to you. Same across the rest of the world, remember. You can also use Western Union or MoneyGram, or cash. Some people just send the cash, and uh, that saves the uh, too many bankers and their fat little fingers getting their cuts off it because they get enough off everything else there is out there. Anyway, and for those who get the disc burned and passed to them, and because they've been off-computer altogether, they play them on their CD players, you can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site41, Box4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. And the postal code is P as in Peter, the number 3, E as in Elizabeth, the number 4, N for Nora, the number 1, P3E 4 N1. And I'll get back to you as well. But as I say, I I need your help to keep pushing this out. Remember, the ads on the show are paid directly by the advertisers to RBN for the airtime. And for the staff and equipments and their board ops and their bills, we all have bills. So it's up to you to keep me going if you like what I hear. And if you don't, then I'll just simply go and do other things. It's no big problem. But we're in a time now when we were kind of overloaded with information. And this was also known by those who gave us the Internet. I've read the articles from the big boys themselves when they say that we have lots and lots of data, but we don't know how to process information. And because of that, they can flood it out there. And remember, too, we've been led along by the nose for a long, long time with regular media. And don't be surprised to find that they've completely infiltrated every other means as well of communication. Why would they sit back and allow the public for the first time to start and come to their own conclusions by getting all factual stuff There's so many spins on things from all sides, and even people who are very well-meaning will will spin things off too, according to their particular worldview and their own experiences, which is not all of the experiences, obviously, so we're limited. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watworth we cutting through the matrix. Just talking about data and data overload. And in these times of massive change, and that's the whole plan, of course, is massive change, the century of change. Uh, a, a century that was planned long before we came along by elite groups who all got together like a big cabal, a big mafia, uh, to look after their own turf, you might say. Uh, planet Earth uh, and that, Which they planned to keep up Ruling with their offspring And, and uh, have power over Whatever was left to the public But they talked about A new scientific type of society Scientifically run where experts would guide everybody along the right path. And the people were just too silly and stupid to uh, really plan things out for themselves or work things out for themselves or live responsibly. And responsibly means the way they wouldn't, uh, the, the, means they had their own minds. You know, they didn't like them having their own minds because they didn't know how to use them properly. Otherwise, they'd be amongst the elite themselves, you see. And since they obviously weren't, uh, then it was a, a, more than a class thing. It was a genetic thing. And they decided to bring in this new system. And it seems to many who onlookers and participants too, there's a big unwieldy ship that's ready to break apart at times. But it isn't really, you know. Um, even the economic crash is all part of it to integrate everything further into a singular system of world control. That's really what all this is about. And the chaos that's wreaked, uh, wreathed upon a people, is nothing. To them at the top in fact they like a bit of chaos at times to terrify us all uh, so that we'll kind of breathe a sigh of relief when they take half more of whatever you've got left off of you and um and, and we're thankful to have a little bit left at all uh, that's how it generally works in society They understand the psychology of the people at the bottom and unfortunately they're, they're, they're also right at times too and they do see incredible truths about the people because they've studied as all, you see, for so, so long. But they've also manipulated the cultures up to this point as well. So technically, we're, we're kind of stupid in certain areas, but it's because they've directed us to be so. We've been trained, you see. We've been trained like any other creature, any animal, and uh, very well trained indeed to serve the purposes of the elite. We go off and fight their wars and... And we, even though we don't understand them, and it's in places when they're even heard of until they mention it, um, we're so proud to come back from them, at least those who are still alive. And we're little bits of tin metal. And that's why they call them medals. It's from metal, you see. You don't get a big, big fat paycheck, you get a little bit of tin. And people have been trained to believe this is very, uh, it's a symbol of to be proud of, you see and meanwhile the big boys themselves make a fortune off these wars but it also fulfills their geopolitical strategies which really um it's like a, it's like a chess game you got to understand we are lost uh, before we get halfway through uh, imagining where they're going with it all because it's so complicated and and um complex and all depending on knocking down dominoes along the way to get to the end that we generally cannot figure out the entire game plan. And when we think we do, we're generally wrong. That's how we're conned over and over and over again. World War I, they said in their own books from the Royal Institute of International Affairs, they hoped to get out the League of Nations to bring all the nations under one system then, including a monetary system eventually. And that turned into the United Nations needed a World War II. And big writers like H.G. Wells who were propagandists for this outfit and the Fabian Society, another branch of them, um, talked about this. We need another war, he said. Another world war. And bingo, we had it. And they would have had no enemy to fight if they hadn't funded the particular uh, man they chose to demonize. And uh, helped him to, to rise to power and created the Nazi war machine with IG Farben, all funded by the big banks that were funding the politicians in the West. So it's an ongoing strategy, you see, and we're never really in on all the facts. We're not supposed to be. We're supposed to feel proud of this and nationalistic when required, and in between times we're, we're global again, you see. Uh, and then you're suddenly nationalistic when you need more troops to go off and fight and then that's kind of watered down back to global again. I've watched this back and forth my whole life long. It's quite interesting how we, we just fulfill the parts for them, like little actors at the bottom, without thinking very much. But we can't either imagine this, this whole con game called money, and there's so much humor uh, to be pushed out there uh, by satire uh, on this topic that I'm going to put a link up tonight on my website, cuttingthroughmatrix.com, and you can look at how uh, the, the global economic crisis is, is explained in three minutes by satire. Satire which pushes the truth because it helps you strain your credulity, you see, and helps you laugh at it because what the guy will tell you in this piece of satire is exactly what we're being told. And yet, is said with a straight face, and so we have to, t- to take it so seriously. It's fantastic Satire is the best way to get things across to people Once you get into political arguments Forget it, they'll walk away and leave them fighting Um, It's really all satire And I joke Money, remember, is a, is a, a means to an end It's a means to an end And it's so important that we all believe in money So that we can work a plan in for those, really, who don't need it They already have everything They call it real estate. They own countries. Land everywhere. And all the minerals and all the the iron and steel and plutonium and everything else. They have the rights for all of that stuff. They don't need the thing called money. Money is only good for giving to the peasants, including the scientists. They're still peasants. Who work for them and create new weapons of mass destruction and stuff like that in ways to make us all grow up in a big perfect prison where we're all observed from cradle to grave and watched at everything that we do, which is already here. And we're taught again that this is all quite natural and normal and to uh, just accept it. The whole world's accepting it. You see? I mean, everyone knows, every one does really know, I think out there, that uh, stinks to high heaven. They needed something to happen to kick off this whole scheme of things. They talked about it in the the Project for a New American Century. Before it all happened, they needed something on the scale of a Pearl Harbor event to motivate the American people and the world into action. And bingo, they get their wish. I mean, these guys, I guarantee you, would go for a scratch and win, and every card would would be bingo, they'd win. They've got so much luck, don't they? They always seem to get what they want. But what surprised me was it was the first time in history that the whole world pretty well, all the Western countries for sure, and all the NATO countries that signed on, all went into action as though they personally had been attacked at the same time. Which tells you that was already pre-planned as well, with the same uh, uh, total observation of all citizens, the end of all privacy, yada, yada, yada. Everything was identical in every country at the same time. First time in history. Why? Because you see, this whole war on terror is simply a prelude. It's an excuse to bring in their global society, which you're not going to like at all. Not at all. And they have to have a massive army. They must, they must know um, what everyone is doing at all times to feel secure as he brings us through these changes. And so they can react to every individual instance of someone who's woken up or not too happy with what they're doing or being forced to do and deal with it with be- anything before it happens, including using psychological task forces and psychiatric um, SWAT teams. Literally, they'll come in and grab you stuff like that, that's all been discussed discussed at the top and tried out in some areas. That's the kind of thing it's about. So that's why the world's under this this guise of anti-terrorism, while in reality, too, they're they're looting. The rest of the world's also applied to make sure they've got it all under wraps. It was not long ago, I read on the paper and from the paper, on the air, um, who, who got the contracts in Iraq, all the big boys, all the usual names, Uh, were given all the contracts for the oil fields over there. And uh, remember, too, if you can think back that far, when they went into Iraq, they destroyed most of the existing oil wells and refineries. They destroyed them. They blew them all up from the air. And at the time, they said they were obsolete and that the U.S. would have to go in with Britain and build new ones. Well, it wasn't for the Iraqis. It was for the boys that ended up getting the contracts. But the taxpayers of these countries, Britain, the U.S. and a few others, paid to have these new refineries built before they were handed over to the usual suspects. That's how it works at the top. It's like one big cabal, you see, one big mafia. And the things that they do uh, are so out of the proportion of anything we can imagine when we we consider crime. It's beyond all of that It's beyond all of that But that's the real world And then they toss figures around That we cannot comprehend Billions and billions Then trillions of dollars And then the Federal Reserve says We need 700 billion dollars To bail us all out And we, we, and the Federal Reserve has asked Well why do you pick 700 billion dollars That was the first package Remember And, and we we're, were told um, Well we didn't know You see we had nothing to go on So we just picked the next big number can you imagine up to your boss and say you know say I like a pay raise is what do you want? Well I want the lot, you know. We're given this as official news with a straight face. And we swallow it. And even then I said that 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 they'll be back for more and sure enough they are. They got off with it then they're gonna keep doing it and doing it and doing it, aren't they? Till it's trillions of bucks. And we cannot imagine this. As we're supposedly all broke. We're all broke, waiting for the domino banks to fail, we're told, uh, while governments have been spending money like never, ever before, never before. A few nights ago, I read an article about the, the upcoming costs, or the cost of the upcoming summits they're having in Canada here. And I read an article from the Globe and Mail, and lo and behold, it was pulled before midnight. After I mentioned it, sort of find it from another link, but by God, it's been updated to $1.1 billion. And I'll tell you about that after this break. Alan, watch, and we're cutting through the matrix. Just talking about the cost that's getting pushed on the taxpayers of Canada as we're helping save the world and all that stuff of uh, having these these upcoming summit meetings in Canada with the big G8 and G20 summits. And I'll preface this with saying. It reminds me of Alexander Hamilton, who wasn't much loved by anybody uh, because he spoke what he believed to be the truth, unless he was honest about it. He, he liked the tyrants in history and those who'd conquered and slaughtered and used force and so on. But he did say one thing that was interesting. He said, he said you know, if you've got a king and queen and their servants and the, a small army around them to, to take care of, uh, then you have that expense. But when you've got thousands of them, meaning massive government, uh, thousands of them and their families uh, then then the burdens incredible uh, and taxation on the public. He told the truth on that one, so the summit here under this great democracy is to hit one point one billion dollars from a an already can, a Canada who's borrowing money from the same world banks as somebody else is is borrowing money from one point one billion dollars and it says here. The cost of hope of hosting the G8 and G20 summits next month in Ontario now stands at 1.1 billion and further outlays are likely, well, that'd be guaranteed, the federal documents show. I like how they word it, federal documents show. So I guess it's, we're getting the news from the federal documents. You can't really blame these documents. The price tag includes $160 million for hospitality infrastructure, food safety, and extra staffing. This is the extra part they added on uh, to what they already said, which was $933 million. We all held our breath at that one. But, yeah, so an extra $160 million, hospitality, infrastructure, food safety, and extra staffing. And that's an addition and so on, but mostly to come this week, it says. Protesters confront the police in London. and Well, they showed you the London ones as demonstrators converged on that one. But... It says, this might be the most expensive 72 hours in Canadian history, Liberal MP Mark Holland said. But the public safety minister, we've all got public safety ministers. You know, uh, the first time I heard a public safety minister was after the revolution in France, but we've all got them now. And it says, uh, uh Vic has defended the cost for security, saying Canada has an obligation to make world, uh, to make sure world's leaders are safe while visiting Toronto and Huntsville, Ontario. Maybe they should make it safe for anybody, Canadians as well, to visit Toronto. But anyway, uh, that's what it costs to keep them safe. Liberal leader Michael Ign- Ignatieff blamed the Conservative government's poor management for the ballooning cost estimates, but they're all hypocrites because they all play party politics. Anyway, he said Wednesday, the Canadians can't understand how the government's initial earmarking of $179 million for security has multiplied in the space of a couple of months. Have you ever seen the government tell the public the cost of a building project? And it's always about tenfold or more by the time they're finished. I mean, that's normal, isn't it? Yeah. This is what cost for previous summits. The G820 summit in Japan in 2008 was $381 million. The G8 summit in Gleneagles, Scotland, in 2005, was 110 million. The G20 summit, London, April uh, tw- 2009, was 30 million. The G20 summit in Pittsburgh, September 2009, was 18 million. But Canada's 1.1 billion. Eh? says so these numbers are off the scale with other G8 and G20s. Uh, Ignatiev told reporters outside his party's caucuses meeting in Ottawa. And as three weeks away, it says, from the event where Canada will be on, on the world stage and I want to be proud of Canada. For now, I'm embarrassed, he says. In an interview with CBC News earlier today, uh, Toes defended the security estimate as the most efficient and effective use of public money for Canada's unprecedented hosting of back-to-back international summits. He also insisted the estimate was not a cost overrun. This has been budgeted for, he says, and the money is released as it is required, Toes said. I love this stuff when they always say that, that they find money down the back seats and stuff. You know, in Parliament, uh, they just find it. The estimated cost for security over the course of seven days, seven days for $1.1 billion. In June, dwarfs the amount spent at previous international summits and is expected to surpass the $898 million spent during the Vancouver Olympics, which spanned 14 days. The official price tag for security at last year's G20 Summit in Pittsburgh was listed at $18 million U.S., according to municipal and U.S. federal officials. Now, the thing is, too, so the extra cash is for their food and stuff, you see, because these guys don't eat the, the crap that ordinary Canadians have to eat. They don't eat GMO stuff, and they actually have meat and stuff that really has taste to it, you know, especially grown stuff that doesn't have injections and, uh, and 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 a chicken that isn't brought up in these factory farms They actually have taste to it So I guess it's very expensive for real food these days And you must get a special pass to have access to it uh, But yeah, these guys live very, very well And I remember a few years ago When they had one of these big summits in Vancouver That was the famous one where They put all the protesters about half a mile away from the road And the cops um, used uh, things about the size of fire extinguishers on them For tear gas uh, just to make sure they got the message, and it was all over the papers. But a little scandal broke out after that. that they spent a fortune securing prostitutes, both male and female, lots of male ones, uh, for these international visitors, uh, because, you see, that's normal diplomacy, apparently. You, you, that's all factored into it, flying in high-class male and female prostitutes and things of their liking, because they have different sets of laws at that level uh, of society. And apparently it's a very ancient tradition that must be carried on. So that'll be included in this bunch as well. I'd like to have a look at these characters, but I guess that won't happen. Uh, I'm just a little plebeian at the bottom. Back with more after these messages. listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network, because you can handle the truth. This is Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the Matrix. The Matrix is an amazing place, isn't it? You're born in it, and it's drummed into your head from a very, very early age that what you see around you is reality, and your parents don't know to tell you any difference, and you try and conform into that reality. And if you don't conform quite properly, now they drug you to death and all this kind of stuff to, to make sure that you're, you're compliant and, and a good, what they call a responsible citizen uh, that does what you're told to do. Uh, you work, you pay taxes, you go home, you watch TV, and you talk about nothing except trivia. And that's very good for those who manage society, you see. But then you wake out of the, uh, the matrix, you break out of it, hopefully. And if you do, you'll have a hard time communicating to those around you because they are still in it and they quite like it, actually. It's all they've ever known. as Plato's cave for them. And people can live and grow their whole lives and, and learn nothing when you're totally indoctrinated into a system, they learn nothing at all. They don't study human behavior. They don't observe by themselves, those around them, and and they keep voting the same way too. In fact, they keep voting. Uh, that, that surprises me at all. They keep voting, and and in democracy, they always say that you don't vote a new party in. You're so sick of the last ones, you're voting them out, and they never learn uh, that promises are never fulfilled. They're always broken, and that's what politicians do. They're called liars. Uh, and they compromise. How can you have something you truly believe in and compromise on it? You can't. You have no integrity if you do. Well, they compromise on everything. And that's what they tell the public. Well, we had to come to an understanding and compromise, and here's the deal. So it's your own fault when you get them in and you, you keep doing it. This left-wing, right-wing paradigm always makes me laugh. I always, I've laughed since I was a child at left-wing and right-wing and I, I sure enough I grew up too with people saying I vote this because my dad did too and you know you can't vote for that other bunch and and they both had their all their suppositions drawn up for them by uh, those with the words and so on at the top and they get examples like this one here and this is like this is like satire and it's it's from a mainstream article about something that's actually happened but it's satire isn't it and they won't change anything but they never learned from anything either from those that have gone before and did the same thing from parties, and this one's particularly about the Labour Party. It says, um, and it's from the Mail Online, Lord Prisa gives up class war. You see, pretending he was a good, you know, uh, Oxford, probably Oxford trained or Cambridge trained uh, working man type, you know, which is is, is just, like, alien to me. But anyway, it says, Lord Prisa gives up class war, but I'm only taking a peerage, that's a knighthood, to turn Pauline, who's his wife, and to a lady, he says, you see, I mean, it's utter hypocrisy, but what do you expect from politicians? And 20th of May, John Prescott completed his transformation from working class bruiser to establishment pillar yesterday when he accepted a peerage. And this is the excuse he gave to placate his wife's fury over his affair with a secretary. That's the rubbish they turn out to the public. Really. They can't get through their heads that they're all the same and they all want to get up there and get that little knighthood and get special privileges and be included then into a new set of laws where they can do certain things that it's not, that's not unlawful anymore at that level. That's really what it's all about. And plus, you see, it helps you after politics because when, when, when you get a peerage... And you're a sir or a lord, uh, then you have more sway when it comes to uh, working on behalf of the big international corporations as a lobbyist. You, you're, I read that thing a few days ago with uh, Ferguson, the Duchess, who's selling her husband at half a million dollars to, to get to him because he's a he's in charge of Britain's trade. And she said you get it back tenfold. I mean, this is normal stuff. But you see, people who go into politics have told you what they are, but the fact that they go into politics. Only the psychopathic type get into politics. A truly honest person would be demolished by those around them, the peer group in politics, if you don't take your little um, scams, you know, little bits out the kitty and so on, like they all do. They test them out. There's been a couple of politicians in the whole history that I can remember in Canada who actually wrote about suits. They said if you don't join them in all their scams and wheelings and dealings, uh, they'll set you up to ridicule you and get you out because they can't trust you. You'll open your mouth. That's the reality. It's always been like that, though. Only the psychopathic type goes into politics. And here's this weasel claiming that to placate his wife. is taken the taking the periods, so she'd be a lady, you know, a lady. I wonder what she was before. Anyway, well, who knows these days, eh? And then as all this is going on, we've got, we've got things like the Billionaire Club. This article here, I've read it before, what happened at the time it broke out, from the Irish news, it happened in New York, but has to break out in Ireland, first of all, before anybody else would dare to pick it up. And this is from May 24th, 2009. It's from the Sunday Times. And it says, the billionaire club in bid to curb overpopulation. America's richest people meet to discuss ways of tackling a disastrous environmental, social and industrial threat. And it says, some of the the leading billionaires have met secretly to consider how their wealth could be used to slow the growth of the world's population and speed up improvements in health and education. The philanthropists. Now remember what they said, the parallel government are run by philanthropists. And it seems once you're a philanthropist and you've got multi-million of dollars to, to back it up like George Soros, uh, you can go around the world and sterilize people and there's no laws affect them for doing. Can you imagine if you in your neighborhood start to go into people's homes and sterilize them? Do you think you get away with it? You ever, you ever thought about that? If you did the things that these characters openly do and talk about, if you actually went and did it in your own ear, what would happen to you? Well, how come it's any different here? That's why people go into the spin mode, you know, da-da-da. They can't, it's a like double-think, they can't fathom that one. But anyway, it says here, the, the philanthropists who attended a summit convened on the initiative of Bill Gates. You know that guy, that self-made wonder? Ha, ha, ha. It says the Microsoft co-founder discussing joining forces to overcome political and religious obstacles to change. Change. Change is good. You know, they snip you. Described as the good club. They love these names, too. It puts you off. It puts you into double-think again. It's a good club, but it, you know. Mm. And most folk, again, go into that double. Oh, click, click, click. They can't get past that. It's a good club. The words confuse them. By one insider, it includes David Rockefeller Jr., the patriarch of America's wealthiest dynasty, Warren Buffett and George Soros, the financiers Michael Bloomberg, the mayor of New York, and the media moguls Ted Turner and Oprah Winfrey. These members, along with Gates, have given away more than 45 million pounds, or billion pounds, 45 billion pounds. They should pay for the summit here. You know, since 1960, cause ranging, causes ranging from health programs, they call it health programs when they sterilize you in developing countries to ghetto schools near to home. Of course, it's a tax rate offer them, too, mind you. They gathered at the home of Sir Paul Nurse. It's an interesting character, Sir Paul Nurse. He's a top guy on depopulation in Britain right now. A, po- a British Nobel Prize biochemist. I've got stuff on Nobel Prize winners, too. I've got to put up there one day and some interesting photographs of them it, and it's some strange things they get up to, the little party meetings. They have an, an odd thing in common with each other. Anyway, it says... Um, the prize biochemist and president of the private Rockefeller University, that's who Paul nurses. In Manhattan on May the 5th, the informal afternoon session was so discreet that some of the billionaires' aides were told that they were at security briefings. Stacey Palmer, editor of the Chronicle of Philanthropy, said the summit was unprecedented. We only learned about it afterwards by accident. Normally these people are happy to talk about good causes, but this is different. Maybe because they don't want to be seen as a global cabal, he said. Everything that runs the world is cabals. Some details were emerging this weekend, however. The billionaires were each given 50 minutes to present their favorite cause. Over dinner they discussed how they might settle on an umbrella cause that could harness their interests, their interests. The issues debated include reforming the supervision of overseas aid spending to setting up rural schools and water systems in developing countries. That's the cover. Taking a cue from Gates, they agreed that overpopulation was a priority. Now, they said that at their last meeting, the previous meeting they had as well. And Gates, of course, came out and actually said that vaccination would help uh, bring down the population. And again, folks go into that click mode again, double think. Well, good man, philanthropist, the good club, sterilization, depopulation, and go click, click. They can't put the two together. It it confuses them. It says, this could result in a challenge to some third world politicians who believe contraception and female education, this is where the guys on education weaken traditional values. Well, they've got to destroy all traditional values. They've already said that in their writings. They bring in this new world, you see. Gates, 53, is giving away most of his fortune, argued that healthier families, now listen to this, healthier families freed from malaria and extreme poverty would change their habits and have fewer children within half a generation. So that means that if you're really sick and not eating very well, you overpopulate. Is that what they mean by that? So that means if you're healthy and you're not breeding, uh, then that's what they classify as a healthy person. Obviously, that's what they mean. So, freed from malaria and extreme poverty, uh, they would change their habits. What do you do when you got malaria? What do you just do? go around procreating or something? Have hmm? you ever thought about that? And, and they've had fewer children within half a generation. At a conference in Long Beach, California last February, he had made similar points. Official projections say the world's population will peak at 9.3 billion, up from 6.6 billion today. But with charitable initiatives such as better reproductive health care, it's abortion sterilization, we think we can cap that at 8.3 billion, Gates said then. Now, now what on earth is this guy involved in this for? Why is, this, why is it all, all these characters that get up there? All front people, of course, for much bigger institutions that you'll never hear of. The ones who get up there and are, who are pushed up there like Oprah Winfrey, you know, the star that guides all the women's minds. Uh, how come they're all, they all get fixated on depopulation as a priority? Is it something that just happens to you when you get up and get billions of bucks and everybody's admiring you? You say, I want to sterilize the world. Is, is it something that just comes over you all of a sudden? Is that what it is? Some kind of strange demonic conversion? What is it? Well, it's a, they're told what to do by their bosses. They have bosses, the same bosses that bring them up there. That's what it is. The parallel government, CFR, etc. They're told what to do. The people follow stars. You make stars. I read an article about a week ago, too, how through the different organizations they'd put like the macy group they put out money out there to create the american cultural industry they put out guys as front men investor bankers who started getting all these weirdos and and crazies they couldn't earn a penny on the streets with their artwork and made them all stars but they also took scientists and made them stars too because they had to bring in a world where we would believe in experts and whatever they said What have you had these last few years? You must take these inoculations to save you and then bring on experts. You're experts on the weather channel telling you what to wear when it's going to rain because you can't think for yourselves anymore, and so on and so on. Mums have to go and take prenatal courses to find out what to do and and how, how to change diapers and things like that, things that everybody knew when I was young. No one went to school for it. No one went to get taught by professionals. And guess what? We all survived. We survived against all odds, including all the inoculations they whined into as nothing like what they put in them today. But then again, they did manage to sterilize most of the people. as bring their sperm count down to as hardly even mortal or worth bothering about. But anyway, people never get into this. You know, when you follow the stars, you're asking for it. You're asking for everything. When you give your mind over to someone because they're up there on a stage, that's an altar, you understand? That's why stages are altars. Your mind is altered when you start worshipping them. And they guide you. And then they pick these characters and put them up as front people. And dying pop stars, they've also brought up there to change the culture work on behalf of the international bankers to get more loans to third world countries so that they can write them off and your countries can pay them off because you're the guarantors and the con goes on and on, people never wisen up to reality, doesn't matter how old they live you know it's far easier to live in a security of fiction and make believe especially in this world socialism that we've got so used to It's comfortable. You're comfortable there. You know, animals know when to get out their burrows when they know there's a flood coming in their area. We don't. We sit to the bitter end and you end up with places like Detroit and so on like that. We just wait. We get comfortable because we're we're so used to being looked after. We've been taught that we're actually being looked after by superior people. And we have no independence of our own. You can't trust your own judgment in anything. Unfortunately, people accept that they cannot go by their own experiences and their own observations they 're taught to mistrust them. Experts know better we 're in a sad state folks sad, sad state so so these groups can have their international meetings, these big philanthropists, you know these front people, and uh, none of them had any specialities whatsoever. In, in humanities or or populations or or fertility and sterility and all the rest of it or diseases, none of them at all. They're put up there because they're good fronts to funnel the cash through, to get something done where governments can say, well, we're not responsible for that. they are private organizations doing that, so don't complain to us. But let's say, if you start your own little private organization, go around your neighbor and say, excuse me, uh, uh, do you mind if we sterilize you? Something, something that you see from Monty Python, you know. You see how fast it come down on you. You wouldn't get away with it. Because you're not authorized, you see. You have to be authorized to do this. And you're not authorized through governments. You're authorized by those who own your governments. And who are not responsible to you t- at all for anything. And you always say, well, they're always doing, third world countries, too many people. Yep, that's just, they never clue in. No, these same characters mean you all as well, folks. Because, you see, they started sterilizing the West before they went into the third world countries. And I've read the reports here over and over again on the fertility rates from their own sites at the UN and different places. How it's plummeted since 1950 when the big inoculation programme started in the West, long before they started in the so-called third world countries. If the third world countries were so unhealthy with disease, how come they could be procreating at this level? It's because they're procreating normally and they're fertile. That's why they're fertile. Here, everybody has to go to clinics now to try and become fertile think about it folks it's the real world painful isn't it though painful back with more after this break Alan Watt were cutting through the matrix and trying to stimulate people to think a little bit for themselves and and think back for themselves and uh, what they've experienced, seen, and heard and read and so on and studied. Uh, that's how you come to conclusions, and you've got to come to your own conclusions. It's not difficult, and the conclusions I've come to are well documented by evidence and uh, published by the ones that, who are perpetrating all this on the public. And yet it's so unbelievable to the public, they don't want to believe it. You know, just don't worry, be happy. You know that stupid song they put out a few years back there to give us the new era? Don't worry, be happy. Don't look at the negative, think of the positive and all that kind of stuff. And it's all around you. It's all there. There's an article from Peter Hitchin's uh, blog as well, from the Mail, Uh, 27th of May, talking about trying to blind us with science, and he demolishes the so-called science and psychiatry as they add new medical terms or psychiatric terms to their book, and and they have gone about ADHD, you know, the the, the hyperactive and so on, and um, attention deficit disorders. And it shows you how completely unscientific any of it is and the fact that that none of them can can validate it by experiment or classification to all the symptoms to even put you in that category. But the fact is they're also drugging so many of the children. It's generally the ones who are a bit extroverted and have leadership abilities. They can't sit still listening to the moronic nonsense they're fed in school. And they're drugging them. With amphetamines. Stuff that you get locked up for if you get caught in the streets with it. They prescribe it to the children and make sure they take it. Double click again. Double click. People can't figure that one out, you know. They don't like these little puzzles. To them it's a puzzle. But I've just said it's a puzzle to most people. They've been trained to see it that way. Double click, you know. Their heads click back and forth and their eyes go back and forth as they try to assimilate this. Well, that's true, but... But they wouldn't prescribe it if it was, unless it was good for you. Uh, and they go back and forth. But junkies, it's bad to have junkies on it. And, and go, they go, they literally just give up and accept the expert's opinions. Which are just that, of course. And they're well paid to have these opinions. And there's also an article here. I'll, I'll get the link for it too. And it's called Live with Fred uh, Bauman. It's a PDF. And he talks about what Canada's doing too with, with, uh, uh, the, the amphetamines for children. He says, um, he says uh, he talks about the booklet put out by the FDA explaining amphetamines and the mechanics of it in MedWatch and other similar, similar magazines and so on. He says uh, he says four months ago Health Canada put Adderall back on the market. Adderall, you see, it wasn't because they had any good evidence of its safety or effectiveness. Adderall is a mixture of the two salts of amphetamine, so it's a pure amphetamine. That's the stuff you get locked up in the streets worth. I'm saying, you know. This is, this is a, an interviewer says, I want to talk to you more about what's actually in these drugs later. And Bowman says that the fascinating thing about Adderall is that it was a weight reduction drug for adults called Obitrol. It's so extremely addictive that Obitrol was taken off the market for that reason. Now we have the FDA bringing this extraordinarily addictive drug to the market for little children. Little children and you stand up for your governments as they rob and plunder you and change everything and take what what you're left off of you and sterilise you and drug your children and you keep voting for them and you can't wait to grovel at their feet as you do when you think there's power in front of you. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada is good night to me your god or your gods go with you.